Thanks, Pastor Barry. I'm so happy to be here this morning preaching to you guys. This is the final part of the truth bomb, and it's called This Is My Story. Um, if you don't know who I am, I'm, my name is Matt. I'm part of the leadership team with my wife, Jess. Um, I oversee the um, incredible worship team. Uh, they're so easy to lead. Um, I love doing it. I've been leading worship since I was a teenager. I'm 40-something now, and I was probably leading worship when I was something like 14, so it's all a bit of a blur. Um, but... You know, 2020 has been a roller coaster for us all. I just think with 2020, we're going to look back in life 20 years down the line and we're going to remember 2020 for all the reasons that you know. But it's been a roller coaster for me and um, our family. Um, at the beginning of the year, I found myself out of work. Um, and then we planned to go on holiday like we all did. And then we postponed holiday like we all did because of COVID. Um, that's fine. Um, so we postponed. We, we thought we'll go to that later. And I got back into work. So that was uh, exciting. And then what was really exciting for us is um, we found out Jess was pregnant very exciting. Uh, she is due in March, and we found out we're having a little girl. Very excited about that. And then we were ready to go on holiday, which we'd postponed um, about three weeks ago. And um, two days before I was due to go on holiday, or we were due to go on holiday, um, I found out that I had COVID, and I was really surprised. I was sent for a test, and I had COVID. And the, the holiday was put on the back burner again. And so holiday gone, um, had COVID, and then I was made redundant out of the back of COVID. So um, life is just a roller coaster. I know it has been for so many of you, but for us, it definitely has been. Um, 2020 is a year to remember. Um, but I was looking on Twitter um, this morning, and um, I'm not on Twitter, I just stalk. I don't have an account, I just stalk people. And um, I was looking um, at the fantastic, inspirational person called Susie Dent. Um, I love Susie Dent. Who doesn't love Susie Dent? Dictionary Corner. If you're watching Susie, um, we love you. And she really inspired me this morning. Um, she has. She came up with a 16th century word. This is actually true. And there's a 16th century word called respair, and it means fresh hope from despair. So I think like we could do with a lot of respair. And so if you're sitting at home next to your wife, next to your children, just say respair to them. It just means fresh hope from despair. What a cool word. Thank you, Susie. We love you. Um, so I'm going to talk about worship this morning. Such a subject close to my heart for the reasons I've explained. Um, one of our strengths as a church, one of our strengths in just in life is worship. But just for me being 25 down the years, down years from leading worship, I just know there's still more to learn and there's more for me to grasp. And in fact, there's more to grasp than I've already learned. So I'm there's just so much. So if you're watching today and you've been part of a worship team for 30 years, you just know there's so much more to get hold of. And perhaps if you've been a Christian for five minutes, you know there's still stacks of exciting stuff to come. And uh, for the worship team um, on a Sunday, we try to, um, ha try to think of our worship as like um, twofold in a sense. And one is like a pastoral kind of sense where um, we, the church like to know where they're going and how the worship goes. And um, it's like when I go on holiday, I'm really bad. I always go to visit the same places, um, and it's 
it's, I love it, but it's, it's a little bit naff. So I like going to the west coast of Scotland. I love going to the Lake Districts. If I get back up there, I go to the same places all over again. And that's all very exciting. And I go, oh, look, I'm all back home, and I'll feel all great about myself. And that's, and that's a bit like worship on a Sunday morning. It's like that's the pastoral element of it. We go to those places that we really love, and we really treasure those places. But also, when we go on holiday, it's good to go to new places. And then I go to the new places, and I think, oh, why didn't I come here before? And um, that's like the prophetic side of our worship on a Sunday morning. That's breaking new ground. And it's kind of when you get there, it's like, wow. So there's like a pastoral element to our worship and a prophetic element to our worship. And I've been... um, you know, we've all got um, sort of inspirational worship leaders over the years, and you can type in the chat bar what yours or whose yours was. Feel free to type me. I don't suppose <laughs> you know. Hey, go for it, uh, Matt Beals. Um, but um, mine was um, probably Matt Redman at the time. He was a <laughs> he was he was a young man, and I was a young man. He is older than me actually, um, but he was really inspirational. I was about fourteen, starting off in worship, and he was. A, 20, I think, leading worship as Soul Survivor, and he really inspired me, and um, just because of his age, he was quite a, um, a humble person, he's quite a humble person, and he really inspired me when I was 14, uh, I was just like, wow, and I've got other worship leaders I'm really inspired by now, and you've probably got some, I'm really inspired by Darlene Check. I think she's just really inspirational. But over the years, worship has changed so much. And I remember going to church and I sung songs when I was taken to my local Baptist church. And you can type songs in the chat bar now, but I was singing songs like called This Is The Day, Bind Us Together. There are people at home going, oh, I remember that one. And then things evolved to things like Shine Jesus Shine. We want to see Jesus lifted high. Clap, clap, clap. Um, And then we evolved again to the Lord's my shepherd and we had in Christ alone was like, all the time, and then we sung Light of the World, and then we sung My Jesus, My Saviour, and then we sung Did you, Do You See What I See? <laughs> okay, most of you at home are wondering, what's that? I wrote that. Um, <laughs> and then we, we, now we got to present day, we sung Beautiful Name, and we sung Who You Say I Am, and now we sing songs that go la, 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 whoa, a lot. And it's just, you know, songs evolve, and I have no idea what's around the corner, but as long as Jesus is at the center of our worship, things are good. And I just want to share with you some stuff this morning. So let's go, first of all, to John 4, 23 to 26, where it says this. But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him in that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. No, people say that worship isn't their thing, but I just honestly feel, and if you, even if you're not a Christian, you must see that we are created to worship just because we are drawn to stuff. We're actually all really good at worshiping. But it can be sport, it can be cars, it can be food and drink, and we can be great worshippers, but we'll have a really bad God. And, um, you know, we can, go to, we can go to church and say, oh, I went to church and the worship was terrible. But actually, probably what we're actually saying, that your worship was terrible. The worship wasn't terrible. Our worship was terrible. And in this scripture, the fantastic thing is, like the lady who didn't understand, when we worship in truth, the truth is revealed. She saw the truth. So just turn to your neighbor and say, when we worship in truth, the truth is revealed. It's not about song choices. It's about our hearts. 
And as worship leaders, 80% of our conversations about people in song choice is what people do and they don't like. But yet, wouldn't it be great to have a higher proportion of conversations about the posture of their hearts, our hearts, rather than what songs we do and we don't like? So let's have a look at Psalm 100, because it's a fantastic psalm of praise. Shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. You know, just how descriptive it is. Shout with joy. It just excites you just to read it. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. Acknowledge, come on, acknowledge that the Lord is good. He made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. I'm just just excited about reading this scripture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Oh, come on. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever and his faithfulness continues to each generation. What a fantastic scripture. What a, it's just so exciting. You know, in the scriptures it says rejoice always, but who knows that rejoice is a verb, it's a doing thing, and we don't sort of, we sort of hang around with our feelings. And when we step into Sunday morning worship some, sometimes, we kind of feel like, I'm just not up for it, this song. I just haven't, I'm just not ready for song one. I'll join with you in song two. Hashtag worship leaders nightmare. Um, but it's like, come on, rejoice always. It is a decision, not a feeling. To enter his courts with praise is a decision and no feeling. Come on, this is an exciting time. And, you know, we've got to worship with awe. And um, the word awe has, is actually used 400, over 400 times in the Old Testament. And, and in the context of awe, awesome, fear and trembling, that sort of things. But God is awesome, but the word awe has actually been slightly hijacked. So, for example, Aston Villa were awesome when they beat Liverpool 7-2. That's fair enough. Uh, <laughs> you know, you can say, um, I've got a new car, that's awesome. The other day, someone sent us dominoes. It's true. We can say, the meat feast was awesome. Um, a couple of years ago, um, we were, we, uh, my family had tickets to see Take That in concert. It was awesome. It was like, I was... I, you just got so carried away. And when, the, you know, that saxophone part from Million Love Songs came on, it was like, oh my goodness. And it was like awesome. And But the word awesome's actually been completely hijacked because there's only one thing that's actually awesome. Those things are good, uh, but they pass. There's only one thing that is awesome, and that is Jesus. So let's keep God above things in life that are really awesome. Let's fill our Facebook feed with less food and drink that I can be guilty of posting my afternoon teas and more stuff about how awesome God is. Let's use our, uh, our chat, our Twitter feed or whatever to just testify of God's goodness. Let our story come out loud in this time on online church. Um, God is an awesome God. And when I was, um, well, I don't know, 20, early 20s, I, some of you may know this, type amen in the bar if you do. I went to a, um, a Bible conference called Stonely, and it was organized by New Frontiers Church. And it was, I want to say awesome, but I can't, because I'll be wrong. Uh, it was very good. Uh, and it was just like, you just, you know, those kind of worship um, Bible week events where you get into a tent and it's just incredible and you get completely carried away. And I won't carry on, but it was just like, whoa. And I just remember this one worship experience. I remember looking up at the screen and you just saw the, 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 um, the lead preacher. It was Terry Virgo at the time. And he said to us, why don't we just applaud God right now? And I just, 
it was just stuck with me. I was early 20s, and there was genuine applause went up to heaven. I remember looking at the screen, and even talking about it now makes me feel goosebumpy and emotional. But I remember looking up at the screen, and he had his eyes shut, and he was clapping, and everyone was clapping, and there was just this incredible sense of we are really applauding God in heaven, and it's not forced, and it can go on forever and ever, and, you know, that is worship. God is an awesome God. He is incredible. He is worthy to be praised. We could just fill up 10 minutes now of telling, you know, just sharing of how good God is and why we should worship him. He nailed his son to the cross so that we should have freedom, that we'll be free from sickness and death. He is due our worship. God is awesome. Football, music, food, drink, they're good things, but God is awesome. So let's always keep God above those other things. If we look in Psalm 95, 6, there's also more to worship. It says this, come let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Sometimes in our worship times, we get so excited with dancing around and jumping around. And that's all great. And we get so excited with clapping and whooping and cheering and celebrating. That's really good. But actually, one of the elements of our worship in the Bible is to bow down. And as I was preparing this preach, I kind of thought maybe, just to myself, and you can go for it yourself, maybe I need to perhaps regularly once a week make a point of my worship bowing down. You know, doesn't it say in the Bible that when the wise men came to see Jesus, it actually said they entered his where he was. So it's like, it's like that psalm again where they entered in. And the very first thing they did was they fell before the king of kings. And I just wonder in our, in our concept of worship whether you can do this privately. And I think I might, you know, just to set ourselves some time where part of our worship is bowing down just to recognize who Jesus really is. Just like the wise men did when they came before Jesus. They just did not hesitate. They fell before who they didn't realize was the king of kings. And worship is an intimate thing. If we look at Psalm 27.4, here's a really fantastic scripture. It's David speaking here. It's like, this is so incredible. One thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. This is so, like, I was just dwelling on this today. This is amazing. It's like if God said to you, come on, one thing. What do you want? One thing. And if he said to me, you want one thing, what would I do? I, I could do with a new car. I could do with the mortgage being paid off. These are genuine things, by the way. Um, you know, it's like one thing um, I could do. I wouldn't mind a holiday. Um, but David's gone for a place of intimacy. The Lord's, it's like one thing. He's chosen one thing. It's to live in the house of the Lord all the days of our, his life. And I wonder how many of our responses would be like that if, if God said, come on, choose one thing. What would it be? How many of our responses would be actually, do you know what? I choose intimacy with the King of Kings. It's really challenging. I, you know, it's just really, it just, wow, that David should just choose intimacy with the King of Kings. So, you know, if God, God just wants that relationship with us, that intimate part of worship. It's just incredible. I've been married now for over a, over a year, which is not very long at all compared to my grandparents who, uh, up until my granddad passed uh, last year, they were married for 68 years. And by time together, you know each other. And after a year of being married to Jess, I know Jess 
very well. Um, but there's no doubt, in two years' time, after three years, if my math is correct, um, I will know her better, and she will know me. I know currently that she can, she can laugh at things that I don't find funny, and then she will laugh, and she will just laugh for such a long time, and she'll be in hysterics, and... I just feel really awkward, and then she doesn't know why I'm not laughing, and then she just laughs for such a long time that I kind of wish she'd stop laughing, and I don't enjoy those moments sometimes. Um, and then we look at each other, and I kind of say, are you done? And then she just carries on laughing. I, I know that about her, but I also know that she's fantastic with children. Uh, she's a teacher. I have seen the way she is with children. She is really gifted, and I've seen the way she talks to the parents. You I've just seen her interact with parents when they're maybe feeling down and she says, you are doing a good job. I have seen that of Jess. I have seen, I know of Jess that if it was her, her way, we would probably have the Christmas tree up next weekend. Write in the chat bar now, if you have the Christmas tree up now and put hashtag I am crazy. Um, and I would know, she, you know, she want, I know Jess, she wants to watch a Christmas movie. The other day she said, Home Alone, Polar Express. I replied, BBC News 24. Um, so I know Jess, but this is only after a year and a half. Now my grandparents, after 68 years, my granddad passed last year, my nana now, she lives alone, she's, she's such a fantastic person, she's 91, and she still... When she forgets, she still calls out in the house for my granddad. She says, she calls him by his name, and then she'll remember he's not there anymore. And that's quite, a, quite an emotional thing, isn't it? And I just wonder if we're so in love with Jesus that we call out to him enough. You know, she just, she'll just sit in front of the television, and she literally, without even joking, she would say, she'd shout, pop the kettle on, and then she'll remember that after 68 years, he's actually not there. And... By spending time with each other, you get to know each other intimately. And isn't our desire just to get to know the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the one who nailed himself to a cross for me, just to know him better by spending more time, as the psalm says, to delight in his perfections and to meditate on him. One day, I, um, I had a friend about, one day I had a friend, uh, it has been known, I, um, I brought someone to church um, about eight years ago, and he is an atheist, and uh, I, we really got on well, and we would, we would have those conversations about Jesus and atheism, and it would just be quite fun, actually, we didn't ever fall out, and I said to him, come to church, and he went, all right, and so I brought him to church, and um, we were having an evening service, and um, I think I was leading worship, which is always a bit awkward, because then he, you just see someone, he's like, oh, I didn't realize you did stuff like that. And um, afterwards, I worked with him, and then afterwards I said, what do you think? Now, he was an atheist, and I absolutely knew he was so bogged down in atheism, it would be a complete miracle of God from him to turn around and say, I've changed my mind, I've, I now believe these incredible things. He didn't do that. He said, yeah, yeah. He said, but do you know, in the worship, he goes, that was goosebump stuff. And it's like, even like, you know, the presence of God is such a fantastic thing. He called it, he went away to work, that we worked that day, and he called it goosebumps. I called it the presence of God. And he was like, yeah, I have to admit, when you're singing in worship, that stuff going on, that was really goosebump stuff. And it's just like, you know, it's just incredible. The presence of God is an incredible thing. And it really, it really just affected him. And it's just like, we want to live in the presence of God more and more, and I want to know Jesus 
more and more. And even after this service this afternoon, there's, there's kind of a, a desire to delight in him more and more, to spend more time with him, to bow down before him and just to meditate on him more and more. So what is our story in life looking like? It's like we want our story of life to shout something to other people. And what does yours look like today? And um, we want, um, if we look at John 1, this is really fantastic. This is the scripture where John um, has been baptizing people and they're saying, who are you? And it's like, you know, when John says, um, I come to baptize with someone else coming, this is where the scripture is. So John 1, he says, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You know, that's just, I just looked at that. It's just like, that's kind of what I want my life to be like, really. Jesus was coming towards John, and John goes to everyone, look. It's like he was just saying, don't look at me, look at Jesus. Here he comes, here he comes. And that's what I kind of want our life to be about when it comes to worship. You know, when we're leading worship on a Sunday morning, I don't want you to look at me. I don't want you to get bogged down in the keyboard playing or, or the whatever. I want to say, look, there's Jesus. Everything I want our story to be about is a moment where we just say, look, look at Jesus. And I just love that story because we, we appreciate that story for the, the fact that John baptizes and Jesus is coming. But what about the moment when John says, don't look at me, here he is. And that's what I want our lives to shout. That's what I want my life to shout. And as I get older in the worship ministry, the desire in my heart for that is greater and greater and greater. Just for me to step aside and just to Jesus to make sure he's completely glorified in front, behind, beside me. Just to say, look, just so my story is one of look. So... I just want to uh, wrap up to, uh, this morning by just sharing a really inspirational story. Um, that I, if you know me well, I actually love hymns. Um, I, I love the poetic side of them. I know not everyone loves hymns. Um, I, I understand that. Uh, I personally love hymns. I love a Christmas carol. I just love the the, um, the lyrics. And um, there was a hymn writer in um, eight. She was born in 1820, and her name was Fanny Crosby. And she was, um, uh, she lost her sight at a very, very, very early age. She, um, you can read about her. She, um, she doctors um, played around with her vision and they got it completely wrong. And she lost her sight shortly after birth. And she went on from then to write over, this is incredible, over 8,000 hymns in her life. It's just like a life dedicated. So she lost her sight. And she writes this, she wrote, Oh, what a happy soul am I, although I cannot see. I am resolved that in this world, contented I will be. How many blessings I enjoy that other people don't. To weep and sigh because I'm blind, I cannot and I won't. And someone asked her once, what is the, you know, don't you wish you had your sight? And she actually replied, no, because the first face I will see when I regain my sight is my saviour. She is an incredible lady, and she went on to write some fantastic songs. And she had a friend, and uh, she went to visit her friend in 1875. She went to visit her friend. And her friend had just installed an organ, like you do, into your house in America. And um, the organ wasn't working, so she went to the, the, her friend went to the piano and sat down. And she played this little melody, and she said to Fanny Crosby, what do you think? And she, she replied, bless his assurance, Jesus is mine Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. She had her life shouted a story. And who, 
we know that hymn now is such a fantastic hymn and we just want our story to shout one of Jesus just to everything we do that Jesus be glorified so what is your story today is it one that shouts Jesus is it one that shouts you do we need our worship to be uh, more of Jesus and less of us do we need to bow down more do we need to praise more do we need to have those moments where we say no come on I am rejoicing do we need to have more reverence in our life for Jesus do we need to have all of those things I challenge myself too earlier this week the worship team uh, we recorded um, the hymn Blessed Assurance and it was a really really special moment we had together and the great the great news is we recorded that so um, it's been a fantastic privilege of mine to preach to you today about uh, the final truth bomb which is worship I hope you feel challenged but I'm just going to leave you now before handing pa- back to Pastor Barry uh, with the worship team on the night where we recorded Blessed Assurance which was written by Fanny Crosby thanks <laughs>